Today's scripture reading is Genesis chapter 3, verses 18 through 19, and Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 17. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? So the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, so cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers he will crush your head and you will strike his heel to the woman he said I will make your pains and childbearing very severe with painful labor you will give birth to children to Adam he said because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree which I commanded you to about which I commanded you you must not eat from it Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, just as sin entered the world, though one man, and death through sin, And in this way, death came to all people, because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even over those who do not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for many have died... For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man. Jesus Christ overflowed to the many. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in the life of the one man, Jesus Christ? Thank you, Grace. Appreciate you being our liturgist this month. And I want to say, Mike, there's your answer. Genesis and Romans, there's your answer. There's our answer for the question, how important it is to know why, why we need a Savior. Last week we talked about creation, today we'll talk about corruption. And I just want to share with you, as pastor, I just introduced many things to you, introduced things to you, and 
pray that the Holy Spirit would spark the interest that you would go and then you would do more study and in-depth reading and research on your own and you'd check out Answers in Genesis and the Creation Museum and read more of those things because no way could I tell you everything about um, anything but I just introduce these things to you and give you some insight to help give you the broader picture of God's Word from the beginning to the end is what these seven C's will cover and it will help you in your discipleship and in your sharing of who Jesus is as your Lord and Savior and helping you in this way is to give you a confidence in your walk with Christ so that you're not scared to give an answer about who Jesus is. You're not scared to talk about your faith and you're not scared to stand up when everybody else may step down or or you're not scared to question your friends or neighbors when they want to talk about things that are not of Christ or do things that are not Christ-like, that you would have strength and knowledge and confidence and that holy boldness to say, hey, I don't believe that. I don't believe in that. I'm not going to participate in that. And, they, and they're going to ask why. And you begin to tell them some of these things. Again, we also see a passage in Genesis and then in Romans. The New Testament many times repeats the Old Testament stories and connecting the reason why we need Jesus as a Lord and Savior. Studies have shown that in my lifetime growing up that over the last 40 years that the church has got just talking about Jesus. And now we have the generation of young people and younger than me that have been in church, that's all they hear about. They don't know why they need a Savior if they've been in church at all. They just know that, oh, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. And it stops there. But we have to know why we need a Savior. Billy Graham said, and I quote, Adam, and when he says Adam, he means all men, or it includes women as well. If you just read Adam in some translations, it's not going to always say man and woman. It's not always going to say human beings. It's not always going to say people. But Billy Graham said, and I quote, Adam made his choice. He suffered the consequences of it, and he set the pattern that all humanity was to follow. End quote. That's not very nice of Adam, was it? To do such a thing that we all now suffer the consequence. But it is true. We are born in a sinful nature. You've heard these passages from Scripture. They are well known. And you've heard about Adam. You've heard about the first woman, Eve. And you know that they lived in the garden called Eden. They had it all. Isn't that what we all want? We want that American dream where we have it all. And Adam and Eve, they had it all. And they weren't even in America. Imagine that. They weren't even in this promised land that God wanted to take His people. They was in this garden that God had created and planted just for them. They had it all. They had more of everything. Beauty, calm, serenity, and a buffet of fruits and vegetables. They were even given directions. They were even given a warning. They were given a boundary, 
a boundary that was not to be crossed. And there, Adam and Eve, the perfect man and the perfect woman with the perfect parent. Yes, God, the perfect parent. They had a perfect relationship with each other, a perfect relationship with their Creator. They had the perfect marriage in the perfect place. They had all the perfect animals and all the perfect pets. They had all the authority to rule over the world. They did not need anything else. They didn't need anything in that point in time. Nothing was needed. They got along perfectly. Sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? Sounds heavenly. Something for us to look forward to as we think about heaven. But it didn't stay perfect very long, did it? Suddenly... Out of nowhere, without warning, they had warning, but they crossed the boundary. The wonderful, perfect man, the beautiful, perfect woman, with all the perfect animals, in the perfect garden, the perfect setting, became corrupt. Corruption set in. Corruption continues today. It has an unyielding march affecting generation after generation, day after day. This world is suffering because of it. This world is decaying more and more because of it. Corruption continues because of Satan. Corruption continues because of the evil, the hatred and wickedness of this world. Devil and his work and his legions of demons are destroying all that they can, all that God created. And yes, it was created and it was good, but they don't want it to be good any longer. They are the enemy of God. They are your enemy. They are our enemy as the church. And whatever they can do to divide us and destroy the church here on earth, if Satan feels, he may have a chance. He may have a chance to bring all of you on down into hell with him when the time comes to spend eternity there. What is corruption? Corruption is an impairment of integrity, of virtue, or even moral principle. Decay, decomposition. That is a 180, isn't it? A 180 from what we just read about in Genesis and what God had done. That's a 180. The perfect human, the perfect animals, the perfect garden and the perfect place, making the perfect world, is now corrupted by the disobedience of this one man and this one woman. Do you remember last week when I mentioned and I shared about how God had made the creation story, done everything in six days? And it was all about God pouring out His self and His own complexity upon everything. The pouring out of Himself and as a source of all information. God pouring Himself out. And as God poured Himself out as the powerful Creator, He answers to no one. He bends for nothing. He doesn't change his mind unless he wants to. God does not ask. 
and God does not need your approval. He doesn't need any suggestions. He doesn't need us making his decisions. God is God, period. This world is under God's divine plan, and we can only begin to understand God and what he chooses when he chooses to reveal something to us. When we have that light bulb moment or we have some revelation or as theologians have studied God's word over the years and began to start some church traditions about Advent and Lent and the seasons of the whole church and these type of things, it was only because God chose to begin to reveal some things about himself and begin to help us understand Jesus and the ministry and how that first church began. Because God chooses to reveal. He chose to reveal the technology of today and continues to reveal some insight that we have medicines and the medicines get better and the machines get better and the hospitals can do more and more for us because God has chosen to allow us to learn these things. And he's gave some people that gift to learn and to do those things and to do those surgeries. We are all, we are all a part of the divine, holy plan of God. But yet we all suffer. We're all suffering from the consequences of corruption. That corruption that took place in that day on the, in the Garden of Eden. But yet, we can't look back and we dare not blame God. We can't even get mad at the tree because as we shared last week, if you remember Genesis 131, what, what, God, what, what did it say? God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Not just okay. It wasn't just, oh, I'll get the job done. Oh, man, I'm tired. I'm not doing anymore. It was all very good. Adam and Eve knew this. They were to trust God because God is trustworthy. But not trusting in God was what got that woman and that man into trouble. Even in their perfection, they began not to trust what God had said. Adam and Eve, with their God-given freedom, chose to abuse their freedom. They chose to abuse their freedom. They chose to disobey and as I said, they were created by God in his own image. And out of the divine, holy, and righteousness of God, they were created. They weren't dumb. They were not stupid. Because they had part of God's complexity and God's, God's being as he made them. But as God clearly stated in chapter 2, verse 17, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on that day you eat it, you will certainly die. We always want to do what we're told not to do. We always want to cross the line that we're told not to cross. We're always wanting to take something when we're told not to take it. God had an expectation for Adam and Eve 
God has an expectation for you and me, and that is to be obedient 24-7. Not when we feel like it, not when somebody's looking, not when the pressure's on or when the pressure's off, but every day, all day, all night, every night. God did not test Adam and Eve on what they did not know. They were not tested on what they did not know because they had been told. They'd been told over and over. Parents, you ever get tired of, of repeating that to your kids? How many times have I told you? When is it going to sink in? When are you going to listen? The tree was off limits, and they knew it. They'd been told. They knew that, and they even knew the consequences if they ate. So what's that mean? It means stay away, doggone it. Stay away from it. I told you not to go there or do this. Don't do it for a reason. I love you, and I want you to be protected. I told, give you a heads up about this and that because I love you and I don't want you to make the mistake. Eve, why were you even under the tree? Why would you be hanging out around something that would tempt you? Why would you be hanging close to something that you were told not even to be close to? Young people, why would you go to those places where you know your friends are going to be doing things you're not supposed to be doing? Why would you get in that car and go to that party or that location when you know exactly what's going to happen and you're going to be right in the mix? You're going to be a part of it. Why would you listen to the snake? Had there been other talking animals? Or was this all of a sudden, I got a snake hanging from a tree and he's talking to you? Red flag, maybe? It's like, Adam, come here, we got a talking snake over here. But no. She engages. She participates. She gets involved in an unhealthy conversation. It leads to the walls coming down or leads to forgetting what God has said. You ever think about... She said, hey, Adam, we got a talking snake over here. He's questioning God's authority, questioning what God said. Maybe we should call or text God and ask him, hey, Lord, we got a snake over here telling us it's okay to eat this. What do you think? But no, they take it into their own hands and say, wow, that, that's a good idea. I'm going to get one of those apples. I'm going to get one of those drinks. I'm going to try some of those drugs. I'm going to try... Try some of these things that just look so good. Oh, I'm going to take that without paying for it. Oh, they made me mad. I think I'll just run over them with my vehicle, get even. Maybe I'll just jump them after school off the school bus and punch their lights out. That'll make me feel good. And he's looking at that apple. Man, she's like, maybe that apple tastes different than from the apple in the other tree. Maybe the red apple is a lot better than the green one. Yeah, I'm tired of pears and peaches. Let's have an apple. And you know what I'm talking about, all these things. When we, began to, when we begin to engage and participate in the unhealthy reasoning, 
which here it leads to the eating. Not just the eating. It's then she calls Adam over. Come on over, Adam. Try this apple. Take a bite, man. Join me. And instantly, it happens. Adam and Eve sinned. No excuses. Period. But here comes the Lord. Wonderful, loving, holy, all-knowing, all-caring, full of all information, knowing all things, already has a plan. Thank God. (laughs) He has a plan of redemption. Redemption for his creation. Redemption for his children. And God's plan of redemption, as we know it, and we read throughout the whole Bible, because it started in Genesis. And you know God had that plan, that plan of redemption, even before he created the world. Before he started the six days of creation, you know, he had it. He had it in his little planner. Well, I'm going to get this earth created in six days. I'm going to rest. Adam and Eve's going to do their thing, and oh, here's the redemption card. I'm going to pull it out and go to work, make it happen. And we, as we, Scripture was read there, how do we know it took place? Well, they went ahead, hiding from God. Hiding from God. Anybody ever done that before? How's it working for you? Doesn't work very well, does it? His way of coming, coming around from different angles and using other people to call us out or hold us accountable, even though we don't like being held accountable, especially in the church. Who's going to tell me how to live? None of that. I'm not having any of that. I'm not going back to church because I don't need anybody telling me how to live. It's more what Adam and Eve said. What did Eve say? The serpent deceived me. Adam said, the woman you gave me. Remember, they had been perfect. This had been a situation of perfection. And in perfection, there would be no deception. There would be no pointing fingers because nobody would have done something they shouldn't have. But they did. And then it's the name, blame, game. Verse 14, God doesn't waste any time. He gets on the situation and begins that plan of redemption. There in verse 14, starting with, the, with what it says, because you have done this, he's talking to the serpent or snake, whatever you want to call it, Satan. Because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. You will eat dust. And then verse 15, God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. End quote. And as you look at other translations and study, you know, these verses, another name for offspring is seed seed where God is promising that one day God will send the Savior, the seed of the woman, 
to crush and to break and to bruise the head of the serpent. The seed, Jesus Christ, would be born 4,000 years later and Jesus would go to the cross. Jesus would be bruised and he would be beaten and he would suffer temporarily, only for a moment. Only for a moment because God was at work and it is God's plan of redemption and God's plan was all about Jesus' resurrection defeats the enemy, God's enemy, who is our enemy, Satan, is defeated in the resurrection. You know, some scholars and some theologians say these two verses in Genesis, these verses is the, are the first gospel, the good news of salvation. God knows what he's doing. So why don't you let him do what he needs to do in your life? Let him do what he needs to do in your life because he knows what he's doing. And he wants to do it for you because he loves you. And as we read in Romans 5, Paul explains, and the explanation remains so true to this very day. Because of Adam. Because of Adam, we all die. But those who believe in Christ shall live. Thank you, Jesus. There in verse 14, For if by the trespass of the one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That is what happens when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And it doesn't end there. You get so much more. There's bonuses. You get eternal life in heaven. You get God's protection here on earth. You get God's presence. You get the empower and filling of the Holy Spirit. So much that we receive when we say yes to Jesus and say no to the world and say, Lord, I am a sinner. Paul said, I am a wretched sinner. I am the sinner, the number one sinner, he said. You don't hear too many TV evangelists say that about themselves, do you? But we all should say that about ourselves and be honest with ourselves. Then in verse 20 and 21 of chapter 5, it says, But where sin increased... Grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign throughout righteousness to bring eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it is, that is the only way that that's going to happen. The only way. So we're on this Lenten journey. We have the opportunity to get closer to the Lord. We have an opportunity to think about what Jesus has done. But do we ask ourselves the hard question? Why do we need the Father? Why do we need a Savior? Why do I need filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, we have to ask ourselves... Am I dead in sin? Are you dead in sin? Are you still dead to God? 
Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and that He died for you? He defeated sin and death in His resurrection. If you died today, if you don't see your neighbor, whoever you're sitting with, if you was never to see your family again, if you was never to walk into these doors, would your name be found in the book of life? Would your name be found in the book of life? And would Jesus say, come on in, my good and faithful servant? Or would he stand there and check the book and say, I don't see your name here. I don't see your name here, son. I don't see your name here, my daughter. I do not know you. I hope that doesn't happen to anyone. God doesn't want it to happen to anyone. That's why Jesus died for everyone. And as I was reading some this week, God's first people, you know God's first people? They weren't called Jews. They weren't the children of Israel. They weren't even Hebrews. The earliest human, men and women, their need for God were those that in the Old Testament scripture where you read, and I quote, those, it doesn't say a nation, nationality, or anything special, it just says those, meaning people. Those who called on the name of the Lord, end quote. Those who called on the name of the Lord. That made them God's first people. God's children. You know, in the sinful human heart, there is a natural instinct to call out for God when in trouble. When in trouble, of course. It's natural to call out for help. Various reasons. You may need rescued. You may just be upset that you got caught. You may be upset that you got some consequences. But it doesn't matter in your own mindset because God loves you so much that he will hear your cry for help. You believe that? God hears your cry for help. God hears your calling saying, help me, Lord. I can't do this and I can't do that. He hears you. He's already going to work. Just as that moment when Eve finally came across Adam and Eve as they was hiding. Yes, he asked them, how do you know you're naked? But he's already gone to work. The first animals that had to be killed were God took their life and God took their hide and skin and made clothes for Adam and Eve. The animal hadn't done anything, but Adam and Eve did. Now everybody's affected by the disobedience. Everything on earth is affected by the curse. Everything. And we read about that. The soil, childbearing, everything. Is God calling out, you, out to you today? Because if he's calling you today, or if you've been running from him for a while, I encourage you not to go away from this time of worship today. Don't turn your back on him again. Do not turn your back on him to, again. Experience what there is to experience. And it's called the saving grace of Jesus Christ.
creation, corruption, next week, catastrophe. Because the corruption got so great that God had to do some cleaning work. Had to do some washing. And we'll talk about that next week. But again, come to the Lord today. Come to the Lord. Those who called on the name of the Lord, He knows you. Let us pray. Or, oh Jesus, as our Lord and as our Redeemer and as our Savior, you left your throne of glory in heaven and you became a human. You lived a perfect, godly, holy life. And then you went and died a sinner's death for each and every one of us. But then you rose again. Lord Jesus, you defeated sin and you defeated death. So Lord, today I lift up to you these men and these women and children who have gathered here, who have listened, who have watched. I don't know, they have heard from you. Lord, I call upon the Holy Spirit to work in their souls, in their hearts, and in their minds. Do the work that is needed according to their spiritual needs and their physical needs and for their earthly life. Because their day is coming when we will all rest from our earthly labors. There is a day coming when these bodies will return to the earth as ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And Lord, you know that time frame. And you know, Lord, what the spiritual need is. And you know the physical needs. You know that we need to be one in spirit with you through the Holy Spirit. You know and we know that we need to fall in line according to your will and your desire, your teaching. Lord Jesus, because you are holy, your will and your desire for us is for us to be holy like you. And we cannot have corruption in our lives and be holy at the same time. We cannot be a corrupt people and enter into heaven's gates. We cannot live life according to your word and of this world at the same time. It is not possible to serve two masters. Lord, help us. And if there's anyone here today who is ready for that change. If there is anyone who would not enter into heaven if they would die today, Lord, Lord, I plead for them to call out to you. I ask for them to seek forgiveness. For Lord, I ask you to grant the salvation that is needed, salvation that would be theirs today, and that their name every name of every person here and listening and watching would be written in the book of life. Every name, Lord Jesus. So Lord, let it be. Holy Spirit, let it be. Father God, let it be. Please, let it be. For it is your will that all would be saved and all would have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven.
Let it be, Jesus. And in your name I pray. Amen.